If you belong to Christ, how do you know? What are the signs? Well, we'll take a look at those on today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us and be encouraged. Greetings in Christ and welcome. This is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We're continuing our look at Romans chapter 8 verses 9 through 11 specifically today. The question is the title of our little mini-series, Who is a Christian? We answer that again through the Apostle Paul here in Romans 8. If God's Spirit dwells in you, you do belong to Christ. And though your physical body will die, God will raise your body from the dead. How do we know? Let's join Pastor Steve and find out together on this edition of Graceful Truth. All right, you can turn over in your Bibles to Romans. I just want to read for us a couple verses this morning. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Uh, We just came out of a little series, What is Your Mind Set Upon? And we've looked at the first couple verses here in Romans chapter 8. But today I want to ask you a very simple question. Do you belong to Christ? Who is a Christian? I think we need to define this because a majority of Americans think they're Christians. But obviously society and even the church does not bear that out. I want to take a little detour this morning from Romans. And I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And this is just way of introduction. But here we see the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins of Matthew 25. And I want to read this little parable for us that the Lord spoke. And then we'll just mention a couple things and then eventually get into our text in Romans. Matthew chapter 25 verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven, this is the Lord speaking, will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish And five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there is not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. 
And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. What a sobering little parable that the Lord spoke on that day. It still rings true to our own hearts. I want you to notice a couple things here. Although each of these women seem to be what we would call believers, only five were actually taken to be with the bridegroom. When he appeared, which means only five were truly saved. I want you to notice six things here quickly. Notice that all had been invited to the wedding banquet. They were all invited. They were all issued an invitation. The Bible clearly says that the invitation of the gospel is to the world. For God so loved the world. Never forget that. We never want to grow comfortable in a Calvinistic mindset that says, well, it's all going to wash out, so why even go share the Lord with anybody? Because those who are going to be saved are going to be saved anyway. Even though that is true, God still commands us a couple chapters later in Matthew to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. That's why we invest in missions. That's why we make it a point to travel to see missions and missionaries and even go and plan missionary trips for our own folks to go because we believe that the gospel has the power to save the soul and that invitation goes out to everybody secondly all belonged to what we would call the visible church they were all part of the same group some were wise some were foolish but they're all part of the same group and just for illustrative purposes Coming here on a Sunday morning and sitting in a pew or a chair, which is a lot more comfortable, by the way, does not necessarily make you a part of Christ's church. It doesn't work that way. There's a lot of people who seem to be part of what we would call the visible church. We've seen this past week, newsreel after newsreel of Pope Francis and all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with that. They all think they're part of the church. They think he's the head of the church. He's the vicar of Christ, they call him so. And yet not once in his addresses before our president or Congress does he even utter the word Jesus. I find that hard to believe. But according to the world, that's the visible church. Well, they all thought they were part of the visible church as well. They all belonged to what we would call the visible church. Thirdly, all professed to have the bridegroom as their Lord. They all did. Just now over in Matthew 7, there's going to be people that stand before Jesus one day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done this? Haven't we done that? And he's going to say, I'm sorry, depart from me. I never knew you. They all professed Christ. They all professed to have the bridegroom as their Lord. Fourthly, all believed in the Lord's second coming. They all knew he was coming back. They all realized that. Hence the preparation. 
Now, some were foolish in their preparation and some were wise, but they were all anticipating the Lord's return. And then fifthly, all were waiting for Jesus. They not only believed he was coming, but they were actually physically waiting for him. And then sixthly, the last thing here I notice is even they all fell asleep. (laughs) They all fell asleep. Nevertheless, only five were taken with the bridegroom. Only five were accepted. Five were not accepted. And when they cried to Jesus, Lord, Lord, open the door, he replied to them, I don't even know who you are. I do not know you. The point for us, as we approach this text in Romans, is that professing Christians should examine themselves to see if they are truly in Christ. Knowing that a mere profession of Christ isn't enough to save you. I hope you understand that. We're instructed to have self-examination. We're instructed to have self-assurance, even, of our salvation. After last week's study, when we spoke of some of these things, a couple of you mentioned to me, boy, that made me begin to think. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. See, there's not three categories of people in the church. There's not... Those who are not Christians and those who are Christians. And then there are those Christians who just kind of live like they're not Christians. (laughs) That's not true. There's only two types. Those who are dead in their sins and thereby are unresponsive to God as dead people, just as much as a dead person would be unresponsive. And also those who have been made spiritually alive by the Holy Spirit And are therefore following Jesus Christ in true discipleship. You know, there's a little, you can put the slide up there with a little chart. Those who live in accordance with the flesh. Well, look at at this little chart with me for a second. What they think about, their minds are set on the desires of the flesh. In the right hand column there you see those who are living in accordance with the spirit. They're set on the desires of the spirit. The ultimate end, those in the flesh, leads to death. Those in the spirit leads to life and peace. The attitude toward God is hostility toward God if you're outside of Christ, if you don't have the spirit of God. Whereas if you live in the spirit, you're receptive toward God. You do not submit to God's law if you're in the flesh. But as a believer, we seek to fulfill God's law. We're unable to submit to God's law in the flesh But we are able in the spirit because he gives us the willingness and the power to do so. And then the last thing there is very important, ability to please God. There's a lot of people who live according to the flesh who think coming to church or doing a good work or helping the poor or helping refugees or helping whoever, somehow that's going to earn them brownie points with God and they're going to find pleasure with God. That's, That's just not true. Because we cannot please God in the flesh. Can't do it. Won't happen. Those who live in accordance to the Spirit, we are able to please God with the works that we do. Because we do them by the power of the Spirit of God. Now, I acknowledge that some Christians sin. We all sin. Some of, sometimes we sin badly. Let's just be honest. But... I want you to understand here this morning, a person who is on the path of discipleship, a person who knows Christ, gets up again and goes forward with Christ, while you know what? The unbeliever does not. In fact, the unbeliever is not on the path of true discipleship at all. 
Now, if teaching like this kind of rattles your cage a little bit, um, that's good. It's good that you're rattled. I think we've, as a church, have grown way too comfortable in claiming some salvation that took place years ago, but we don't see any end result of that salvation in our lives today. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, you can look, turn over there with me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. I just want to put this in text. I want to focus in on verse 10. But 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of evil, uh, because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into eternal kingdom, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we should not ease up in this matter. We should not rest until we are sure that we really do rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, we're studying here Romans 8. You can turn back to Romans 8. And the one thing that we started off this chapter understanding is the purpose of, of Romans 8 here is not to instill doubt in believers' hearts. That's not what we're about. But rather just the opposite. To give you assurance of your salvation. Romans 8 teaches that if you are truly in Christ, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate you from God's love, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 39. And that's why having called us to examine our own selves by contrasting those who live according to the Spirit, those who live according to the sinful nature, and those who live according to the Holy Spirit, Paul continues to show us these things. And he wants us to understand who the real Christian is. His outline is kind of simple. In verse 9, he talks about the past. Verse 10, he talks about the present. In verse 11 of Romans 8, he talks about the future. See, the most important question you ever need to answer is this. Do I belong to Christ? Do I belong to Christ? Have my sins been forgiven? Am I assured of that fact? If you belong to Christ, then all of God's promises, beloved, are yes for you in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, in Christ. That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. 
See, if you belong to Christ here this morning, I want you to understand you are reconciled to God. You are brought back into the proper relationship that he intended you to have with him. All of your sins are forgiven. That you now can enjoy fellowship with him every moment of every day. And you know without a doubt that if you were to leave this life, if you were to die even right now, that you would go and be with your Lord and Savior for all of glory and all eternal heaven forever. So do you belong to Christ? You may answer that question by saying, yes, I've invited Jesus into my heart. I did it at vacation Bible school when I was a child. I'm glad to hear that, but do you belong to Christ? Oh, yes, I I prayed the sinner's prayer after a a campus worker shared the four spiritual laws with me when I was in college. That's fine. But do you belong to Christ? Well, the worker told me that if I prayed that prayer, I could be assured that I'm going to heaven. Really? Where does the Bible say that praying a prayer will get you into heaven? Show me. It's not there. It's not there. See, we need to make sure that we belong to Christ based on not what we feel, not by our experience, not by what we've gone through in the past, but by what the Bible says. See, one of Paul's main reasons for writing Romans 8 is to give us assurance that when we believe in Jesus Christ, that we belong to him for time and for eternity, that all of our sins are forgiven. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that's how he begins. Romans 8 verse 1. There's no condemnation at all. And then he explains in verse 2 there. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is all that we have in Christ. The new life that the Holy Spirit imparts frees you from any condemnation. That resulted from your own sin. Jesus, God's eternal son, bore that penalty that the law demanded. So that its requirement of perfect righteousness was met in Christ. Because we couldn't meet perfect righteousness. That is what Paul has earlier called justification. And we've been through all that. We've talked about that. Well, then Paul describes those who have been justified in verse 4. He says, they do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And he goes on to describe this contrast even further. Those who have not been justified are according to the flesh. They're unbelievers. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who have been justified set their minds on the things of the spirit, according to the spirit. In verse 6, he says, for the mind set on the flesh is what? Death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. See, we need to understand those who have not been justified are in a state of spiritual death and separation from God. But those who have been justified enjoy new life from the spirit of life and peace with God. And then we see in verses 7 to 8, He explains even further this unbelieving mind, which is set on the flesh. He says, first of all, it's hostile toward God because it doesn't subject itself to the law of God. It's not even able to do so. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God, he says. See, those who are in the flesh are spiritually incapable even of trusting in Christ for salvation because they're innate rebellion against him. It's not something that you just do. 
And unfortunately, the church has kind of dumbed down the gospel to the point where it's just, well, just pray this prayer. Just say these words. Well, welcome to the family. Let's get you baptized. Now let's teach you how to be a Christian. There's a lot of people who are in our churches today that that's exactly their religious experience. And so they're caught between being viewed as a Christian, but they don't have new life in Christ. They've never been forgiven of their sins. They feel they have because somebody told them they have. But they still struggle with sin continually. And they don't really see any change in their life other than, you know, they kind of make themselves go to church because they know that's the right thing to do. And they know that when they're at church, they shouldn't do certain things. You know, they shouldn't cuss and they shouldn't smoke and they shouldn't drink because you're with church people. But when you walk out of the room and you go to your business meetings or whatever, well, then then you can do whatever you want. Because, you know, after all, you're punching your card on Sundays. See, we need to look at what the Bible says. Who is truly a Christian? And so in verses 9 to 11, Paul turns to those who have experienced this new birth. And he explains to them in verse 9, Those of you who put your faith and trust in Christ, you, however, are not in the flesh, but what? In the spirit. In the spirit, he says. If... In fact, (laughs) the Spirit of God dwells in you. Because anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ, does not belong to Him. Perhaps you're concerned for a loved one who died or troubled over the inevitable fact that, you know what, you're going to die. Does this mean that you do not have new life in Christ? No. Paul goes on to explain in verse 10 that although your physical body will die, the Spirit has given you life because you are righteous in Christ. And although our bodies are going to die, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will one day raise our mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in us. But all that depends on this simple question. Do you really belong to Christ? Are you a Christian? What Paul is saying here, just to summarize it, if God's spirit dwells in you, you belong to Christ. And though your physical body will die, God will raise your body from the dead. See, when he saved us, when we put our faith, our trust in Christ, and God transformed us, we changed addresses. We changed realms from living according to the flesh to according to the spirit. We used to be in the flesh. That's what the Bible describes. Those who have yet to put their faith or trust in Christ. We lived under its ruling influence in our lives. But the Bible says now as believers we live in the spirit. Under his rule. Under the spirit's rule who lives within us. First point here in the outline. You are in the spirit if the spirit of God dwells in you. Which is a mark of everyone who belongs to Christ. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. 
We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. And while you're at our website, don't forget to download our mobile app, new and improved and ready to use, whether you're securely donating online or taking advantage of the podcasts on your mobile phone, simply go to iTunes or Google Play and look for Grace Bible Church Redwood City-CA. Or stop by our website, gracefultruth.org, and follow the prompts. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.